0: tonight matthew chapter 4 this evening i want to give you a very practical message kind of a teaching lesson tonight hope you'll take some notes uh ushers did everybody get a get get anybody handout raise your hand if you don't have a handout. you need a handout tonight raise your hand if you don't have a handout raise your hand okay make sure you have a handout i want to give you a teaching lesson tonight it's all fresh material that you're going to get it'll help you tonight I want you to go to Matthew chapter 4 with me. We'll look at verse 18. Now, we did pretty good this morning as a congregation reading together. And we're going to do this again. Now, here's what I told, if you weren't here this morning during the worship hour, if you were teaching somewhere else, I would like, I'm going to read the, let me see, we'll start with verse 18. I'll read the even number verse, you read the odd number verse. Now, I want you to read, when you read, I want you to read so loud that you annoy the person next to you. Can you do that? Amen? Just read so loud that you annoy the person next to you. Now that means this. You need to read loud. You need to read distinctly and carefully. Don't slur your words, and make sure you're reading out of the King James Version of the Bible. Amen. You know, and uh, let's just let's do that tonight. Can you help me with that this evening? And I just want to hear you read the word. It was a blessing here in the congregation to read this morning. So I'm going to start with verse 18, and then you're going to read the odd number verse, and we're going to read down to verse 22, Matthew chapter 4. And Jesus, uh, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishers. Congregation? And? And they straightway left their nets and followed him. Congregation? And going on from hence, he saw the two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the ship with Zebedee of father, making their nets, and behold. Let's read together, verse 22. And they immediately left the ship. And their father, and followed him. Now, if you're new to the faith, this is uh, what we call probably the launching point for the gospel ministry. And if you are familiar with this passage, Jesus used the term in verse 19 that is very prevalent throughout Christianity, and uh, really coined a, a just a wonderful thought using the metaphor of fishing. He said, "Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men." I read the story about two men that uh, decided they wanted to go fishing and so they went to what they thought was a covered lake and they dug a hole through through the ice and about to drop their lines and they heard a booming voice from above that says, there are no fish there. And they were kind of startled because there was a loud blooming voice just kind of out of nowhere, and so they thought they they thought well they looked at each other. And said, well, it says there's no fish here, so they walked another hundred feet and dug a hole in another sector of the ice, and then the booming voice again said there are no fish here. Well, finally one of them looked up around. He says is that you, God? Is that you, God, speaking to me? And the voice came back and says, no, this is the ice rink manager. There are no fish here. And so tonight we're not talking about going to an ice rink and cutting some holes in the ice and looking for fish, but we are talking about a biblical principle about fishing for men. And I want to give you kind of a thought tonight entitled, very simply, The Soul Winning Christian. I want to encourage you tonight I want to inspire you tonight. I've kind of prayed over this. I just felt, I told Brother Vaughn this a few days ago. I just felt this is what God was wanting me to do for several Sundays. And so today I want you to take some notes. I want to inspire you tonight. And just have you hear some things and consider some things tonight that I pray will inspire your heart. Just join me in the greatest business in all the world, as D.L. Moody said it, and that's winning people to a uh, saving knowledge of our Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Father, bless our service tonight in a powerful way and in a very passionate way. God, I pray you help us to love souls and people. And even as we heard Evangelist vasinro say tonight in the video, oh, Lord, just how you've used him and giving him a love for you and winning souls to Christ. I believe, Lord, tonight everyone in this room... Wants to be used of you. I believe everyone here tonight has a desire somehow, some way to communicate the gospel. But Lord, there's many different personalities here. The majority of our people here tonight are very shy. They're not necessarily very, uh, very, very... uh, people that are very, very uh, just outgoing in the sense of that nature and probably introverted in that sense, not extroverted. And yet I I pray this evening that, God, you do something supernatural in our hearts to transform us and give us a heart for souls, beginning with our own families, beginning with unsaved family members. I pray that, Lord, you'd prick our hearts about tonight. Father, I pray in an unusual way that I pray that you'd meet with Heritage Baptist Church and speaking to us. Well, thank you for this now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We're looking at a passage tonight that perhaps often we go to that gives us some fundamental principles about what we call the soul-winning business. I have a passion for winning people to Christ. I want you to have a passion for wanting people to Christ. I want you to have a desire for telling people the gospel. I want you to imagine in your heart and mind even telling the gospel to someone in your sleep. I have a passion for seeing souls saved and brought to Christ. Recently, we just got back from the Philippines and saw a very fruitful endeavor, and we, and we really had nothing to do with it. We just got to be a part, a small part in something very spectacular and big, and seeing thousands come to Christ is an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing to go to part different parts of the world and realize that there are part of this world that have not been affected by just the junk that we get here in America. And there's just such a softness and tenderness and receptiveness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And sometimes I, I just get this, you know, there's a part of me that says, you know, I just kind of feel like maybe God wants you to call me over that part of the world to just minister there. But that's not what God's doing. I'm thankful God's called me here. I'm thankful God's called me to what some call a difficult area and a difficult task, a difficult part of the world, because God is in the business of saving souls no matter where it's at. Amen. Amen. And my prayer is tonight is... To that I as a, as a pastor, I as a Christian would be a soul winner that pleases God. And my prayer for you, and I spent some time this morning praying for our church. In fact, all of you here tonight, I'm looking around the room, everyone here tonight, I called you out by name before the Lord, that God would give every one of you here tonight a passion for winning souls to Christ. A deep burning desire of seeing people come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. My prayer for our church is that we would be an on fire soul winning church. Amen. My prayer tonight is that we'd look at Matthew 4:18, 18, chapter 4 Verse eighteen to twenty-two, and Lord, that, that the Lord would transform our hearts and give us a greater desire more than anything else. So winning is not the only thing, but so winning is the main thing. We must keep at the forefront the preaching, the proclamation, the gospel. It's not the only thing. We still need to care for hurting hearts, and we still need to uh, bind up broken hearts, and we still need to help people in need, and we still need to love one another, and we still need to help our marriages, and we still need to help raise our children, and we're going to have all of those things like that around our church. And we try to have balance there, but. I'll tell you this, the moment we stop winning souls, we're out of balance and we're out of the will of God. We must make winning souls predominant. Notice before Jesus began his preaching ministry... He was recruiting men into the So many business. In fact, he recruited businessmen into the So winning business. These were not men who were casting lines and fishing as a recreation. These were men where the Sea of Galilee was their business. These were men that owned fishing vessels. These were men that owned fishing nets. It was an expensive business. It was an arduous business. It was a risky business. They could lose their lives in the middle of a storm there in the Sea of Galilee because you never knew when a torrential storm would come. But these men made their living. The entire seaside community of Galilee depended upon these men getting the catch of the day and a substantial cat. People needed to have, they needed to have a fish on their table to eat. It was a staple. It was their source of protein. They had to have fish. Marketers and, and stores needed to have fish. I mean, it was a major part of the economy there around the seaside villages of Galilee. And so these men did very well. In fact, we read later on about James and John that they had many nets and they had more and they had the servants that their father had. So there was a big business there. And we find these, these entrepreneurs. We find these businessmen by the name of Simon Peter. And his brother Andrew. And their friends James and John. The sons of Zebedee. Who were going to inherit their father's business. We find these men thriving in the fishing business. We find them thriving. Doing well. Making good money. Making a good living. Spending their evenings out fishing. and their daytimes. Fixing their nets. And cleaning them up. Getting some rest. And going right back out to the same thing again. Just doing their thing being good Jewish businessmen. And Jesus comes, and Jesus turns their lives upside down. Jesus comes to them. He's walking the seaside of Galilee, only as Jesus Christ could. And he changed their lives. He turned everything around. He called them out of fishing for fish to fishing for men. May I say to you tonight, I don't know what your business is. I don't know what you're doing, but it might be tonight. God needs to put his hand on some men and some women and some students and some women and some children and some teenagers and to call you into the fishing business, the business of fishing for men. That's why Jesus said, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The implication of that is a command. The implication of that is there is a pattern that he gives us. And we must follow that pattern. It implies obedience. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. May I say there tonight, Winning of souls as a church must be the thrust of what we do. Majority of you here tonight are here because some soul winner knocked on your door and told you about Jesus. I met a a lady and her daughter this morning as they were coming out. And uh, they were coming out. They introduced themselves to me. And they said, I said, how would you find out about the church? They said, somebody from your church came by and gave us one of the flyers. That's a soul winner. Almost every week goes by, we have somebody says, I got here because somebody told me about Jesus Christ. Somebody from your church knocked on my door. I got a text message this morning from one of our soul winning, our ladies. And I thank God for the ladies who helped me in the sewing business there. And I got a picture today and they led somebody to Christ yesterday. I'm thankful that I got a report from Brother Denny yesterday. He was getting ready to return back to the Bay Area. I got a report. Thank God we went out sewing, and We led a college lady to Christ. I mean, I'm telling you, week after week, we don't get a week that doesn't go by. We get a report of somebody getting saved. That's a wonderful thing. But listen to me tonight, brother and sister in Christ. Let me tell you tonight, we are losing our sin. We are losing our country. We are losing what we have because we're not winning souls. When I say we, I'm talking collectively as churches. We are losing the cities and country because of a diminishing concern for souls. Now, I, I can't I can't be responsible for other churches and other pastors, and I'm trying to do my part. I'm preaching at a couple of soul winning conferences this year. One not very far from here, about an hour or an hour and a half drive from here, and another one about several hours from here. And everywhere I go, I try to promote the soul winning business and the emphasis on soul winning and share from the test in my heart what God's doing here. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you go across the country, the span of the country, there just seems to be less and less of a concern for winning souls to Christ. There's a diminishing concern about winning souls. Oh yes, everybody's good about media, and everybody's good about graphics, and everybody's good about having a great music program, and everybody's good about organization, and everybody's great about having a great website, and everybody's great about this and all that thing, and the coolest things and the coolest trends. And I'm not against all that stuff. That stuff's good. But the moment we get away from winning souls from Christ... We have gotten away from the main business of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Leonard Ravenhill, if you don't have any of his books, you need to get some of Leonard Ravenhill's books on on, on revival. He said this years ago, America is not dying because of the strength of humanism, but because of the weakness of evangelism. And I'm going to say today, tonight, as you consider what is going across our school system, what is happening with our country. Listen, there's something wrong with the country spending $87 million on a witch hunt on a president to find out that he was not found guilty of any of the stuff they accused him of and he wanted to spend more taxpayer money on some of that. And Christian's not rising up and saying, you know what, let them go ahead and do that. But we need to emphasize winning souls and getting more people saved and into the church of the living God. And so tonight, I want you to consider tonight that the spiritual temperature of a church is quickly gauged by its enthusiasm for winning souls and by its emphasis on prayer. Now I'm going to tell you tonight, regardless of how you feel this evening, I want you to know tonight, when people... People walk into Heritage Baptist Church. I want them to know there is a pastor and a church that loves their soul. I want them to know that we are concerned about rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful. Jesus will save. I want them to know we believe in the command of the Lord Jesus Christ. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I want you to feel as a member of this church, as an attendee of the church, a burning sensation in your heart that as Jesus spoke to those men, something tri- tri- something turned inside them. Something was burning inside side of peter something was burning inside of andrew and something was burning inside of james and john that told them we've got to leave our entrepreneurship of fishing and we've got to go in the entrepreneurship of winning men to jesus christ tonight so i want you to catch tonight some practical how-tos would you take some notes tonight as we look at some things that will help you and me to be a soul winning christian number one would you write this down i want you to see the heart of the soul winning christian I want you to see the heart of the soul winning Christian. The starting point for us is the matter of our heart. What's in our heart is what we give priority to. Let me repeat that again. What's in our heart is what we give priority to. Now what's in your heart tonight? What's in your heart tonight? What do you value tonight? What's important to you, what's in your heart is what you give priority to. And so tonight, I remind you that Solomon said, we must keep our hearts with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. I want you to examine with me for just a moment tonight the heart of the so many Christian. First of all, we must have hearts of compassion. Hearts of compassion. Notice Matthew 9, verses 35 to 36. Are you there, please, tonight? I want you to read those verses to me. I want to make sure you're with me. Matthew 9, verse 35 to 36. Congregation, read very clearly and loudly to me. Would you read that tonight with me? Okay? And... I want to to be a little bit colorful with this passage here. Jesus fixes himself in a location. And the Bible describes here in verse 35 that he went about all the cities and villages. Now, geographically, he's around the seaside of Galilee, he's going through cities, he's going through villages some of you come from the old countries you can, you can imagine your mind what's going on here and he's teaching in the synagogues he's preaching the gospel and he's making contact with people he's not staying at a distance he's making contact with people he's getting up close with individuals he's getting out of his comfort zone And what we need to do is get out of our comfort zone and he's coming up to people that are sick and with diseases and he's healing them with these hordes of people coming up and people seeing the miracles of God being done the Bible says when he saw the most and there are multitudes of people coming. Hey, by the way, please understand this. Jesus, you and I don't have to do anything to make Jesus compelling. He's compelling with or without you and me. Amen? He's just compelling as He is because He died on the cross for our sins. And as the multitudes came, the Bible says our, our Savior here in verse 36 was moved. That means there was a stirring in His heart. There was a melting in Him. Uh, Paul calls it our bowels of mercies. He says He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad is sheep having no shepherd. Dr. Lee Robertson defined compassion as this. Compassion is my herd in your heart. A high jumper once broke a track meet record in the event of high jumping. And a reporter came to him and said, how did you jump so high? How did you accomplish his feat?" Listen to what he said. The high jumper said, I just threw my heart over the bar and my body followed it. And I think that's a good thought for us. We need to get our heart. We throw our heart in the midst of where sinners are and let your body follow it. Listen, if you just get compassion for people that overcomes shyness, that overcomes introvertedness, that overcomes all the objections, excuses we make. We need to have a heart of compassion. The starting point of having a heart as a so many Christian, we must have a heart of compassion. But notice we must also have hearts that have conviction. We must have a conviction about so many. Those who sustain the opportunity and the ability of reaching people for Christ have a conviction. Notice Acts 17, 16, would you please? Acts 17, 16 now while Paul waited for them at, at, at Athens his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry I want you to understand the background of this Paul was at Thessalonica he was there for a short period of time saw great results in that short period of time but the Jews opposed what he was doing and ran him out of the city as they ran him out of the city he went to Berea as he was in Berea he did the same thing the Bereans gave themselves to knowing the scriptures they searched the scriptures whether those things were so they discovered it and the Bible tells us there at Berea that God gave him a a large multitude of people that got saved. But the Jews there uh, just basically, they ran them out of the city. Well you can imagine if you're the Apostle Paul you're just trying to get the ministry started you're making relationships and contact with these people and your heart is breaking inside because you want to get these people established you want to nurture them in the faith you want them to grow. You're concerned about the church because he had a pastor's heart for the churches and he wanted to get the church to stabilize and, and he was just concerned with what little time he had that he didn't have enough time with them and there he's Athens, he's waiting for Timothy and Silas to join up with them and the Bible says there at Athens he just saw all the idolatry that was there in the Agora and all of those things that are famous about Athens. The Bible says here that his heart was stirred within him when he saw the city holy given to idolatry. Now we must have hearts of conviction. He had a conviction in his heart with or without Timothy and Silas he was going to preach the gospel. Whether or not he had a team, he was going to preach the gospel. Listen, there's a phenomenon going on right now which I'm not against but I'm a little bit concerned about. And that phenomenon is that if we don't have a team, we're not going to the mission field. And let me tell you something. The Apostle Paul's attitude was, whether I have a team or not, if I'm called, I better go. Amen? If I'm called, I better go. And let me say tonight, if there's a man here tonight, you're called, you better go. You better not wait and say, my my calling is contingent upon a team. No, your calling is contingent upon being obedient to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you notice right here that Paul was stirred inside of his, the city was wholly given idolatry. He said, I've had enough of this. i had enough of these people kowtowing to these statues and these idols made out of, made out of wood and of silver and gold and all those things he said I had enough of that someone's got to do something he was convicted about how sinfully lost Athens was he was, cons- he was convicted about the need for the gospel that he preached there he was convicted about the fact that he said woe is me if I preach not the gospel he was convicted in his heart that these people needed to hear about Jesus Christ he was convicted they needed to get turned from idol worship to serve the living God may I just ask this question tonight do you have a conviction about winning souls do you have a conviction about having a prayer list of people that you're praying for for that you'll win to Christ? Do you have a conviction about being a fruitful soul winner according to John fifteen seven and eight and John fifteen sixteen? Do you have a conviction tonight about obeying our Lord Jesus Christ and following him and being a fisherman? Listen, the idea of soul winning the idea of fishing for men is not an Alan Fong idea, it's a God idea. It's Jesus Christ who gave that idea. And listen, if we don't follow our Lord, we are a disobedient Christian. We're not following our Lord exactly in what He wants us to do. And so as we consider the heart tonight, there's, we must have hearts of compassion. We must have hearts of conviction. But notice Acts 1.8, we must have hearts that are compliant. We must have hearts that are compliant. Compliant means we must be obedient to our Lord. I can feel it right now. There's pushback right now. I can feel like you just don't you're not there with me, but you will be. Come Acts 1 8. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Listen, we must obey our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Weeks before that, when John the, up there in the upper room, Jesus said those words in John 15, 16 to those disciples. He he says, "You have not chosen me, but I've chosen you, and I've ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. And that whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son." The Lord Jesus Christ, as our great intercessor, was praying for those men that they would be fruitful Christians; they would bear, bring forth much fruit. And that fruit he's talking about is the winning of souls. He saw those men. He knew their inadequacies. He knew their weaknesses. And by the way, he knows my inadequacy, and he knows my weakness, and he knows yours, and he knows what we cannot do. And he knows we're not capable. By the way, God is more attracted to our weaknesses than he is to our strengths. God's not interested in your strength. He's more attracted to your weaknesses than he is your strength. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the mighty. And imagine tonight as we consider what our Lord is doing here, he says, listen, what you've got to do, you've got to, you've got to pray for the power. And a lot of times we're going ahead of God and going to the Holy Spirit. We're going in the gunction of us it's some idea we've got. and some method we think that works. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter the method. The idea what matters are you filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And I'm not talking some kooky cocked out way where you come out there where you're babbling about things. I'm talking about having the power of the Holy Spirit in your life where you know when you're in that presence that God is doing something there. I'm telling you tonight we need something in the essence of the power of God. I heard the story, and this is this is a stirring story. A pastor in the state of Ohio went to a, a man who was a surgeon in his church. And this man was a, was a heart surgeon, a cardiovascular surgeon. And he was a very famous surgeon in their city. And this pastor said, sir, I'd like to ask if you'll give me permission to to sit in an operating room with you. I'd like to see you perform a heart surgery. I'd like to see exactly what it's all about. I want to see how this is all done. And the surgeon tried to talk him out of it. He said, sir, I just want you to understand. You're going to see some things. You better have a stomach for this because it's going to see some things that you may not be able to stomach. And he said, I want you to understand something. You have to sign off a bunch of forms that you understand. There's privacy issues here. And you cannot talk about this, what's going on here, Agree. You can't mention names or anything like that. You can't mention my name or the patient's name, things like that. And the pastor said, I agree to all those things. And so the pastor signed off all these forms. And I basically said that he would not, he would not violate privacy and all of that kind of stuff there. And the pastor said, Don't worry, sir. I will stomach it. He says, You just tell me how to get scrubbed up and cleaned and what I'm supposed to dress and wear on that day. You tell me what time to show up. And if you know anything about surgeries, most of the time, most surgeries, they want you there at the hospital about six o'clock in the morning. They want to get you all prepped and ready to go. And they draw your blood again and get you changed out and get you ready and to calm you down a little bit there. And the surgeon will come in a couple of times to calm you down, tell you what's going to come in. And then the anesthesiologist comes in. They tell you a little bit what's going to go down. And I don't know if that makes you more calm or makes you more nervous. I haven't figured it out. I haven't been there. I find out one day. You know, But they but they, did, they do those kind of things. And so they got them all settled up there and they wheeled that patient inside the surgical room. The pastor's on the side where he could watch all this and they've got the monitors going on and they've got this patient all hooked up and they got him where this pastor could watch. The heart surgeon came in. He's all ready to go. He's got his surgical garments on and he takes his scalp and he opens up the chest and man, he goes to work. He's starting to do, because he's going to do a ma- major heart re- uh, valve replacement and he starts working on this heart of this, this, this patient there. And he's working on it for several hours, doing all these things. Literally takes the heart out, does some things around it. Then he puts the heart back in and the pastor's watching all this. He's watching it the heart is extracted. He's watched as the, as the chest cavity is opened up. He's watched as the heart is extracted and the heart is taken out and the surgeon is doing all this work. And he's watching with great amazement. He's thinking, man, I've never seen anything like this. And, and he's thinking, man, the doctor's right. I am getting a little bit queasy watching all this here because this is a little bit more than I expected. And he's watching all these things. And, and even with, the, with the, the mask over him, this, the great smell of the blood inside that room was very overwhelming to him. And he's watching the attendants. They're ignoring him. And they're focused on this patient, working on the patient. And then he watched as the surgeon was done with all that he was doing he took the heart of that patient and he inserted the heart back into the chest cavity and re- reattached the, uh, the aortas and the, and the veins and all of those things he reattached everything and was very very careful as he's doing this microscopic surgery on this patient and then he closed up the chest he was about to tr- close up the chest cavity as he did so he watched the doctor very patiently put his hand on the heart and started to massage the heart of this patient he's massaging the heart as he did so the patient wasn't responding. The patient wasn't moving. And the doctor started doing again. He started working on the, on the heart of the patient there. And he started massaging, working a little bit more there. And as he did so, the heart was not responding. And the, doc, and the, and the pastor's watching. He's he's thinking, man, I wonder if this patient died on the operating table. What's going on here? And then he saw the doctor do something that was very unusual. The doctor took his mask to the side. And he got up to the ear of the patient. And he said this. He said, Mrs. Smith, Mrs. Smith. This is your doctor right now. And I want you to understand something. I fixed your heart. But listen, now it's up to you. You've got to tell your heart to start beating again. It's up to you. You've got to tell your heart to stop beating again. Now I'm going to rub your heart a couple more times. But you've got to, I know you can hear me. I want you to, I want you to tell your heart it needs to start beating again. Because if you don't start beating again, you're not going to get out of the surgical room alive. And so he went back after whispering all those things in the patient's ear. And he started rubbing the heart of that patient again. And amazingly, this, the, the EKG and all this stuff started working. There, the monitor working and the heart started beating again. And this, this person was doing very well. And as the doctor's watching, and the pastor's watching with amazement because he thought all he did was tell her she needs to just start, she needs to tell her heart it needs to start beating again. And then the doctor closed up the chest and they, they put her in recovery. And this woman went on and had a good health. Can I tell you something tonight? We need to tell our hearts to start beating again. Amen. We need to tell our hearts to start beating again. You need the great surgeon to come down, the great physician Jehovah, Jehovah Rava to come down and massage your heart and get some of the calluses out and some of the fat off the heart and some of the things that are keeping it from being used of God. And we need this great physician to tell you and me tonight that we need to tell our heart to start beating again for souls for Jesus Christ. I'm just saying tonight we see the heart of the soul winning Christian. Number two, I want you to consider the habits of the soul winning Christian. The habits of the so many Christian. Now, a habit is a repeated action that we must do. A habit is a repeated action that we do. In fact, a habit is an acquired behavior pattern that we follow until it just becomes natural to us. It's an acquired behavior pattern that we follow until it becomes natural. For instance, tonight, hopefully, you got you got the good habit to brush your teeth before you go to sleep. Amen. Hope you got the good habit to take a shower once a day. Amen. Okay. I'm just saying tonight, there's just some acquired behavior patterns we do. I mean, for some, it may be, you may have a regimen you follow for exercise. And you may have a regimen you follow for eating and your diet. And you have a regimen you follow for your family. And times, of just the same, same by schedule. That's all good things. And may I say tonight, the same thing happens with soul winning. And so tonight, I want you to consider the habits I call the PR of soul winning. Would you write that down? The PR of soul winning. Because every one of the words I'm going to give you starts with the letters PR. I want you to understand the PRs of soul winning. Number one, there must be the Programming. We must have programming in our habits. Now I said this earlier, what gets scheduled gets done. I have to live by schedule. I have to work by schedule. By the same token, I'm not so fixated on my schedule. If there's an interruption or something happens that I get all out of whack on, them. I just realize that's part of what we do. You've got to live on a schedule. Hey, listen parents, a good training, a good training pattern you need for your children is get them on a schedule. Get your children on a schedule. You don't let their schedule drive you. You drive the schedule. Can I hear an amen? amen. Drive the schedule for your children. Learn, teach them how to have discipline according to their schedule. They need to learn a schedule there. Okay. Now, the programming here is, is, is just how we program ourselves for so many. Now, I, I put the statement here. You hit what you aim for. If you don't have anything you're aiming at, you're not going to hit anything. You've got to program your schedule. Now let me give you some things that You have to drive your calendar and not allow your calendar to drive you. Here's why, here's why we, none of us, a lot of us don't succeed in so many. We don't make plans for so many. You've got to make plans for it. You have to make plans for it. Okay? Now let me give you some, some, some ideas about that tonight, about program. Okay? Uh, at the start of your week, are you going to plan for starting? You look at your week, You're scheduling, things like that. Can you allot? a minimal period of time to share the gospel. At the start of the week, is there someone that's lost without Christ that you are on good terms with that you might be able to make an appointment to see? I met a man not too long ago that uh, I, I saw and we were talking, and he said, Mr. Fong, excuse me, but he said, I, I'm, I'm a little bit distracted. I may not be able to give you all my attention today. I said, what's the matter? And his name was John. And, he's, and I said, what's the matter, John? And he said, here's the problem. He says, my, my son just passed away, just committed suicide. I said, how old was your son? He said, 30 years old. And I thought, whoa. And I didn't even know how to go on from there because I just said, Lord, I want to say the right thing. I don't want to say anything that's wrong here because this man is hurting. You can tell he's hurting inside. The man about my age. And so we got—we just got acquainted. He helped me on the situation. I saw him about. He said he's a pastor. Fog. He says listen If you don't mind, I would like to stay in contact with you. And I'm, I've got him scheduled out. If not this week, next week, I plan to see him and to get down with him for breakfast or for lunch or sit down sometime that works out for him. And I want to talk to him about 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 his need for Jesus. He's on my list. I've got a—I've got a list about that long of people on my list right now that I'm very burdened about between now and the Easter musical. And I want to get the gospel. You've got to start your week. Then you must decide personal. So many times, do you have time in your schedule? Can you make time? your schedule for personal so many time Uh, you need to consider the church calendar and the church organized so many time now if you're not familiar with that our organized so many time basically is on saturdays at 9 45 and let me say this tonight if you are if you're not a member attendee if you're a member or an attendee you've never gone through the training you must go through so many training before you go out there you just can't go do your own thing and be a maverick out there you've got to go through so many training because there are certain techniques and tools we want you to learn first of all so you don't you don't, you're not offensive to the person that, you, that you're talking to. By the same token, we don't want you to get hurt also, okay? And so it's very important you understand certain things that are, that are essential about learning so many. Just very centrally, like how to dress and how to speak and things like, simple things we tell you, like bring some breath mints with you when you go, amen, you know? And things like that. And we just want to help you with things of how to schedule, how to present the plan of salvation, things of that nature. You've got to go through training there. And that's good for you. You'll come out a better person because of that. But we have organized so many time. Between now and the Easter musical, We've got teams that are going out Sunday afternoons from 1:30 to 3. You ought to join that and give at least 30 minutes to 90 minutes, if not if not longer, to help with that. We got we purposely plan on our church calendar special church outreach activities for you to bring people to. Listen, you've got Easter, you've got Friend Day, you've got we've got uh, we've got uh, child baby child dedication coming up in two weeks, and we've got a number of things along the way. We've got revival meetings, we got the we got the Christmas musical. We plan on having a Thanksgiving banquet again later this year, and we've got all these different events programmed so you can bring lost people to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ here. So you want to do some programming there. Uh, this Saturday, ladies, I want to encourage ladies, I didn't do a good job promoting for this past year. Ladies, especially for mothers, I want to encourage ladies to make this coming Saturday, the 31st a ladies so many day. Dads, if you, if you're, if you can't, if maybe you have too many kids, to maybe you feel like you're gonna, oh, your kids will overwhelm our, our, our childcare. care. Dads, maybe you can stay home and, and, uh, and watch the kids for an hour or two and let your wife come. But I just want to encourage ladies, come so We'll give you some words of instruction to help you go out. But I want to encourage ladies to do that. And God's using our ladies there. But there's programming. Num- number two, there's preparation. Preparation. Now, you've got to have some means of keeping a detailed database for tracking your so many opportunities. Now, uh, yours, yours and mine will all be different. But I encourage you to keep track of every visit. Now, I have on my phone. I keep track of my phone uh, from the last two years every street I've been on. Every single street I've been on. Every single person I've talked to. I can look back the address and the name of the person if they got saved or if they were opportunity to go back to. And I've got several this week I'm going back to. Uh, I, I text our men. I practiced Brother Eugene this week and Brother Carlos. And I text them and say, Hey, there's somebody I want you to see. And I gave them the information. I capture that contact information immediately while I'm there. And immediately as soon as I get it, while it's fresh in my mind, I send it to the, the, other, the other soul winner that I need to, my, that, to come alongside to help me. There must be preparation. Listen, I know some of us don't like to get... Very well organized, but you've got to have preparation. You've got to keep a database. Review the visitors. Uh, we, we review the visitors of the church that come. If you brought a visitor, you need to have a plan. You bring them out. How are you going to get them back the following week? How are you going get them back four months from now? Uh, look at the church counter and be methodical in your thinking in your preparation you think okay they came today uh, you know feel them out will they come back next Sunday well here's, a, here's where the adult growth group works out you can invite them to the adult growth group okay we've got something that fit every flavor there. we're going to add a few more okay and you can invite them to the adult growth group first of all it breaks down the largest of the church into manageable sized classes where people can make friendships and get to know people listen tonight if you're here tonight you're not part of adult growth group I challenge you tonight be part of a growth group so you can be challenged and stretch in your faith and learn the Bible you know it kind of irks me a little bit I get a lot of these people that want to learn the Bible listen if you haven't been around this church you get a lot of Bible in this church Pastor AJ preached this past Wednesday. Thank you, Pastor AJ. You got Bible here. I had Brother Erwin preach a week, two weeks before as I led some men in some teaching. You got Bible there. Listen, I mean, when I'm not, and in fact, those men don't preach and I have, I feel like God's leading me to have somebody else. To pull, but you're always going to get somebody who's a strong Bible preacher. You're going to get Bible there. Hey, listen, I want to tell you that you're going to get a lot of Bible. You go back all, all over, all the messages over the last three years you've heard on Sunday morning. There's been a lot of Bible. We've gone through the book of Joshua. We've gone through the book of Daniel. We've covered the second coming. We've covered the life of Christ. we We've covered the virgin birth we've covered the resurrection we're covering all kinds of doctrine you go back over the last four or five years when i went through the book of proverbs we covered all kinds of doctrine don't tell me that you're not getting bible and that you've got to enroll in some kind of bible class to learn you're getting bible right here this is your bible institute amen but you've got to prepare You've got to think ahead. Okay, I've got to prepare my week. Now this afternoon, I, I, don't, I, don't, I try not to see anybody for two hours in the afternoon because I'm preparing for this week. As Soon as Sunday morning's over, my wife and I grab some to eat. We'll take somebody out to eat. We're trying to work on, and then after that, I get back. I try to spend an hour to two hours preparing myself for the following week. Not, for, for just one thing, prepare myself for people work. Who I'm going to see, where I'm going to go after, why? Because the people work is what Jesus died for. Amen. And so you consider that there must be the preparation. Then let her see. There's the prospecting. Now, as you make preparation, let me give you a couple thoughts before I go on to prospecting. You've got to think about people you're going to call. Some people you'll see. Some people you'll call. Some people you'll feel okay about texting. Don't over-inundate them. Don't be annoying. And for many people, I'll tell you, just, I tell you this works real well. You can just say, you know, you can look at the person and say, you know, um, I'm going to be in the area, and i like to stop by. If nothing else, can I just pray with you and your family? Works every time. Can I pray for you and your family? And you go up to their home in sincerity, just say, well, what, do you have a one or two prayer requests we can pray about tonight? And you just pray about those things, and you prepare your heart, get yourself ready. And then notice prospecting, if you would, letter C. Now, prospect is how we find new people. Now, in, in sales, they say this. You've got to keep your pipeline full. How many understand what I'm saying tonight? You've got to keep your pipeline full. Amen? Okay? Your, your pipeline is where, you, where where your prospects are. Okay? You've got to, you've got to keep your pipeline fresh. You know, it, you can fall into this delusional state of mind that you've got the same five names you've been working on for five years. And I'm not against it. That's all good. That's all good. But you need to get some fresh names on there. You need, to get, so you need to get out of your comfort zone and be moved a little bit and going after it. Hey, listen, I'm on some streets I haven't been on for a couple years, and there's a whole new set of people that have moved in those areas, and I'm a little bit out of my comfort zone, but I'm going after those people. You've got to get this prospecting down. So here's what you do. I would do this. Number, number one, I would have a goal of knocking on a certain number of doors per week. Now, with that, don't make door knocking your, your, your exercise, and then you're done. Make door knocking your exercise, but make the presentation of the gospel your goal. Do you hear what I said? Make door knocking an exercise, but make the number of presentations your goal. You're not going to be good at the presentation of the gospel if you're not presenting it. You, we get better every time. I'm, I'm still learning. Uh, and I'm, I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning all the time. And you've got to realize it doesn't work like David Wood says you do. Not everybody's a Roman's road. If you haven't figured it out, this is a multi-ethnic area. This is a New Age area. This is a sinfully darkened area of the world. And the Roman's road, you're not going to be using the Roman's road with everybody. There's different, different scenarios. And God's going to have to lead you knowing how to take the gospel message from John, sometimes from Matthew, sometimes from 1 John, sometimes from Ephesians sometimes from First Peter, to just help somebody understand what Jesus died for and who Jesus died for there. So you need to go out and knock on some doors and get some prostitutes. You need to have a tool with you. When, when you go, now I didn't bring it up with me. I forgot to bring it. I left it in my car. But I have a... I have a Kind of like a pencil pouch that I, I keep with me that's not, that's not clear. And in that pencil pouch, I keep several things in there. I keep different kinds of tracts. I have English tracts. I have uh, Spanish tracts. I have Chinese tracts. I have some uh, forms of uh, uh, these little door hangers we use. If they're not there, I write on them. hey, we missed you, and we hope to see you again. I've got little things like that. I keep my little booklet, The Right Start, in there. because the t- Everywhere I go, whenever, I just go with anticipation God's going to save somebody. And I want to have that right start ready to give to them after God saves I mean, So go, I go with that anticipation. That's what I pray for before I go out. And we go out with that and, and we take a little new test with us. And I want to encourage you to make an investment. Spend $20 and get a good New Testament, a soul winner's New Testament that you carry with you. So you can take them through that. Is there something about having a soul winning Testament right next to you that's not as intimidating as having a big Bible there? And by the way, just carrying a Bible, you don't want to be mistaken as a Jehovah Witness. Amen. Now, that's a bad term because we are the true Jehovah Witnesses. They are not Jehovah's and they're not witnesses. Amen? They don't fit in. That's a misnomer there if there's ever a misnomer. Amen? Okay? But I just want to say tonight that that's what you need to be doing there. Now, notice in prospecting, okay? Part of your prospecting is to come up with names every week or every time you go out. Make your goal, I want to get at least one presentation when I go out. And ask God to give you more. But get the opportunity of presenting the gospel to somebody there, okay? Um, I want to encourage members. Some of you are growing in this area so winning. I want to encourage every member tonight who's saying, okay, Pastor Fong, I, I agree with what you said, but I don't see me doing that. I am not going to go, I'm not gonna do, and I'm not going to ring anybody's doorbell. If I have to go, I'm going to put a mask on because nobody. I don't want anybody to know who I am, you know, things like that. I can see it on some of your faces You're scared. Now, let me tell you what you can do, okay? Here's entry level. Why don't you make a list of people that you want to see saved and let me and my wife go with you to meet them. Amen? let's with that I'm going to tell some of our Filipinos in our here tonight I want to ask you to go back and do what we did in the early days I want you I'm going to program with you to have maybe a Saturday event we plan for quarterly and we're going to just for all the Filipinos we know we're going to invite them to come to this, this fellowship and I'm going to come there and preach the gospel I want to encourage our Spanish speaking families brother Eugene to do the same thing and we want to just have a fellowship where I can preach the gospel and those of you who know a lot of people maybe some of you you're in a neighborhood instead of having a block party let's just have a block party where the gospel happens in your home amen You know. And we can just go there and, and you, can pour some, you can pour some Coca-Cola, pour me a cup of water, but you pour them some Coca-Cola, amen? You can poison them with that sugar stuff, but give me water, amen? And you can do that and we'll get them kind of sitting down there and we'll give them the gospel. We'll talk about family issues, things like that. Hey, it works. I'm telling you, it works. We, we can reach people with that there, okay? Hey, I want to encourage you, introduce us to your family members. Now listen, there's a lot of significant events that go by. There's weddings. There's funerals. There's graduations, there's acknowledgements, there's all these things. Hey, go to those events with the opportunity of reaching somebody with the gospel. Go to restaurants. The opportunity you're going to meet somebody, talk to somebody about the gospel. Uh, we went. One of our church members, their their child was uh, was playing an instrument at a recent recent uh, uh, event, and we were invited by the teacher of all things to come. And we showed up there. They were looking for us there, and we were glad to be there. But there were just I saw all the people there, and I thought my my stars. I said, if I can get 10 percent of these young people to come to our church, that would be a great great year for our church. Amen. There were at least 200 young people that were, they were playing there, and I thought, Lord, get us in there. And we saw some parents who knew and families who knew. And my only regret I had is I wish I I'd prepared myself a little bit better to reach out and do a little bit more PR with those people, if I can say that. I'm just saying today, there's prospecting. We're always prospecting. One of the best prospectors, I think, anywhere is my wife. She can go to a, a piano event and talk, start talking to people. And she'll go, she can be shopping somewhere, start talking to someone. I mean, she just is very natural in doing that. And some of you are very good with that. You can talk about something that you're very natural with. And you can introduce people about those things. And I'm just saying today, we must be in the business of prospecting. So there's the programming, there's the preparation, there's the prospecting. Notice there's the presentation. Now, a successful week occurs when you've had numerous opportunities to present the plan of salvation to numerous people. During these weeks as we prepare for the Easter musical. I am praying that God will give our church numerous opportunities to present the gospel. In fact, this afternoon I 've texted some of you already, some of you, several more of you get it. I got put in my heart this afternoon for several of you who have unsafe family members. Do you think these next few weeks will be an opportune time for me to come by and see your parents? to see your unsafe spouse, to see them come to talk about Christ. I want to present it. But listen, you want to get to the place where you're practicing the presentation of the gospel. Hey, come spend some time with me. I'll help you with that. But you'll find that uh, the presentation differs every time. But you want to learn to be to know exactly a starting point. You want to know how to transition. You want to wait. You want to learn how to ask questions and the right questions. You want to be sensitive to what they say. You want you don't want to get them, dis, get them to distract you and get off on a, on a rabbit trail. You want to get to the place where you're focused on the gospel and help them understand their need for jesus christ but the presentation is the crux of that the presentation is where you want to get down to telling them christ died for their sins and rose again from the dead and jesus died for their sins so they can be saved you want to get that point we're out of a heart of compassion you can tell them that and then notice if you would we must have our programming there must be our preparation there must be our prospecting there's our presentation but there must be prayer Now Jesus said this, if you abide in me, that means continue, that means fellowship. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, I think he's implying you better have your devotions, amen? Amen. You shall ask what you will, it shall be done unto you. Now how many believe tonight is God's will for sinners to be saved? Amen? It's clear, 1 Timothy 2, 4. 1 John 2, 2. 2 Peter 3.9, on and on. For John 3.16, God's will is to every sinner be saved. You know what? Here's what our promise we're given in 1 John 5.14. And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything and be according to his will, he heareth us. And we know that he hears us, he grants a petition. We've asked him. Now, I pray for souls to be saved. If you're not praying for souls to be saved, that's why you're coming up empty. It's God's will for souls to be saved. Okay? God wants that to happen, okay? And you think with me for a minute, everybody here in this room, you know at least 10 people that are not saved. you got co-workers, you got neighbors, you know people at a distant, people you trade with, dry cleaners, groceries, places like that. There's people you know. And by the way, you know people, you can get to people I can't get to. And you know people. So you must put those people on a list and pray for them that they'll get saved. Have an ongoing list. Pray for the families of churchmen. Hey, pray for the civic leaders of our city. Pray that God will give us avenues of opportunities. Pray for the surrounding cities. Hey, we saw in Matthew 9:36, Jesus went about the cities and villages. Pray for our cities to be saved. It's a phenomenal thing what God's doing here in San Leandro, San Lorenzo, and our surrounding cities there. I asked Brother Denny yesterday, I said, hey, where'd that, t- where'd that college student get saved? What city was it? He said, Castor Valley. He said, praise God, we're praying for souls to be saved in Castor Valley. Amen? Pray pray for the surrounding city. Pray for most soul winners to be trained there. I'm just saying tonight, there must be the habits of the so many Christian. There must be the heart of the many Christians, Christian. But you notice quickly tonight, what you consider the harvest of the so many Christian. Notice what Jesus said there, follow me and I will make you fishermen. Now I'm convinced tonight that, that, that God, Jesus means what he says there. But I'm also convinced, I think there's a number of Christians who do not believe this. And the unbelief of a believer stymies the power of God from working. There comes a time we need to get rid of our personality and get rid of our whatever preconceived ideas and just say, Jesus said, follow me. When he said, follow me, that means shut your mouth and follow him. Amen. Don't give Jesus your second opinion about things. He knows he's, he's the wise. Listen, he says, he that wineth souls is wise. And so we need to understand Christ gives us the formula for winning souls to Christ. I want you to see the harvest. He says here, follow me and I will make you. He says, I will, I will make you. I will transform you. He says, I will do the uncomfortable with you. I will make you feel uncomfortable, but I will make you fishers. of men." You're not going to be a soul winner God can use if you're doing it in your comfort zone. You've got to be out of your comfort zone and realize it must be the Lord who uses you to get people saved. Now let me give you a disclaimer before I share some things tonight. I'm going to show you some results. I'm not trying to bring glory upon me or any other person. Please understand that tonight. But in the haste in putting this together, I wanted you to see some things to inspire you, to encourage you. Because I want my story to be your story. I want what God's doing through this church to be what He's doing through you. And seeing what God is able to do, that he can do exceeding abundantly. i got a message coming from, from uh, Ephesians 3. How to claim Ephesians 3.20 when we're in this situation we feel like we can't get there. And I want you to see some things about it. I want to share with you the harvest of sowing. First of all, would you consider tonight, uh, uh, and we don't have a picture for this, but I want to sh- share with you tonight. I got a message yesterday, or a Friday I think it was. I can't remember what day it was. I think it was Friday, uh, from, from Vira Pingoy, Mrs. Pingoy. And Vira's been burdened for her father to get saved. For a long time. In fact, she was so burdened, she pulled me aside in confidence last fall. She said, Pastor, I'm going to go back to the Philippines to my, to my province. I'm going to see my dad. I'm purposely going there in November to tell my dad about the Lord Jesus Christ. I said, give me the dates. We'll be putting it down. I'll be praying every day for that. And Vira went and tried to find every opportunity. As soon as she got back, the first time she came back to church, I said, how did it go? Did anything happen? She said, no, mom, mom was in the way. Mom was just kind of the gatekeeper and keeping dad from getting saved. She said, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep trying. I got a message from Vira. on on Friday. She said, Pastor, I just want to share with you, my dad just got saved. She said, the church, the Baptist church in our area in the Philippines, the Baptist church there, they got a new pastor that they called. I'm not sure what to have the other guy, but they got a new pastor they called. And she said, I made contact with that pastor and asked if he'd go by and visit my my dad. And she said, I've just been praying over this and praying over this and praying over this. And God did some remarkable things. First of all, normally if if she's tried to give the gospel to her dad and, or she's tried to do some her mother's always there and her mother's just kind of, like I said, just Kind of a in the way there, and she was a little concerned. She told the pastor, Now, listen, my mom might want to sit through that. I just want you to be aware of that. And God did the remarkable. Mephira called her mother before the pastor got there. She said, Mom, I've asked the pastor to come by from the local Baptist church to go talk to daddy about Jesus. She said, Mom, would you do me a favor? Would you be okay just letting the pastor have one on one time with dad? Would you just not be there and just pause it, just you know, to cause dad to feel uncomfortable? Would you let dad just have one on one time? And amazingly, God touched the heart of Ira's mother, and she said, Sure, I'll be glad to leave the room. Room so the pastor can talk to your dad. Pastor sat down, she texted me. I got a long thread there of what went down blow by blow. And long story short, Vira's dad trusted Jesus Christ as Savior on Friday, our time. Amen. 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 I'm not going to repeat the story, but I could have Rachel Chan stand up right now and tell you how her grandmother got saved earlier this year. I want you to tell to understand there's the harvest of the fruitful soul winner. I want you to understand tonight, back on March 16th, 2019... The night before I got a message from brother Dave Lou and brother Dave Lou said I want he said He's a preacher he says my father-in-law is not doing very good. Blenda's father is in failing health. He's been diagnosed with a very serious illness and it seems to be progressing a lot faster. And I remember that man, I've known him for 30 something years. I've known this man since when Blenda was a high schooler. I've known her father then. He's tough and he's rough, and he just wasn't one that really would sit down and listen to you give the gospel. And I said, Dave, I said, I am busy tomorrow, but I'm going to make time. We're going to go see him. I'm going to rearrange things. And I want to tell you as we went there, and I wish I had time to tell you about this. We went there to see Mr. Quan Mak. Mr. Quan Mak on March 16, 2019, bowed his heart and confessed and called on Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. In fact, it was amazing. We, my wife and I, were sitting there going over the gospel with him, and I thought he was going to give me pushback. I thought he was going to tell me like he did in the past. I, I don't. Think think i'm ready he says come back another time when we'll i have a convenient season and uh I, I got down to him i got real close about that's how close i got to him i said mr mr mark and i said listen do you do you, do you believe all these things he said believe that you're a sinner and i looked i said do you understand what i mean by that i said do you understand you are a sinner and sin needs to be punished listen you're not going to get them saved unless they first find out they're lost sin is bad sin is terrible one sin will send you to hell. Yep. And so I asked that man that, and amazingly, he said, yep, I know I'm a great sinner. I said, we're doing good now. I said, secondly, do you understand God has to punish you for your sin? I said, well, how does God have to punish you? He said, well, based on what you told me, the Bible says, he says, by dying my sin, I'm going to hell. Yep. I said, that's right. We're dealing with two. I said, the good news is God loves you and doesn't want you to be punished. He sent his Son, and he sent his Son, Jesus Christ, who had no sin, to be punished for you. Jesus died across your cross. You. And listen, that's right after Mr. Mock falling on Jesus Christ to be his Savior that afternoon there. Joy of the Lord in his face. We have a video recording of him. And I didn't know my wife was videoing this when I was leading him in prayer, but we have a video recording of him calling upon Jesus Christ as Savior. Right after that, Blenda called. We, we sent a text message to Blenda while this was all going on. And Blenda called him. And as Mr. Mock, I said, Mr. Mock, you tell your daughter what you did. He said, Well, I did what the pastor told me to do. Well, okay, that's good, you know. But uh, but he but he said, But I got Jesus in my heart. And when he said, that he broke down and started crying right there. That's not the same man I talked to 30 years before. Quan Mok got saved on March 16th. I want you to consider Mrs. Connie Ng. Connie had a hearing impairment I don't know who introduced her to our church. I'm not sure how that all came about. She started coming. Brother Kenny Lay started driving her because she lives just down the street, lived down the street from us off of Wicks Boulevard and started coming. And, and uh, so I told my wife, I said, we need to go see Connie. I said, well, let's go, go, go talk to Connie because I'm not sure she's saved. And I don't take anything for granted. I want to make sure anybody who comes, I want to make sure they, they are truly born again and saved. They know Christ their Savior. And Connie had a hard time understanding everything. And I have a, a pictures. I don't, I'm not going to show it here. But we had a, I have a picture I took where my wife wrote out the gospel plan for Connie in Chinese and wrote it out and had Connie read it back to us. By the way, that's how you get people saved. Have them read the verses to you. Have them read on the back of the track. God says I'm a sinner. Don't you just read it to them. Have them read it to you because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God and so she read it to us and then my wife wrote out would you like to be saved and Connie says yes I didn't know before I wasn't saved and she wrote out for how to pray the sinner's prayer and Connie called on Jesus Christ the Savior well Connie got into an accident several months after we didn't anticipate this was going to happen she did not get well she declined in health we had her home going service in January she went home to be with the Lord her husband has been incredibly heartbroken as soon as the funeral was over they'd already made plans to go to Hong Kong we made plans to go to Hong Kong with his, father, with his, his son to spend some time there they just got back. As they got back, we went over to see them a couple Saturdays ago. I think this was on, on March. Um, let me think here. On March 16th, we went over there to see him. We saw him, in fact, before we saw Mr. Mock. And we went to see Mr. Ng. And he gave me a lot of pushback the first time we talked to him. He said, I'm not ready. I don't want to hear it. And just kind of just a little bit rude, if you might say that. But there on that, at that, that afternoon, Mr., Mr. Ng was very tender-hearted, And there, my wife could testify this, Mr. Ng was like low-hanging fruit. He called on Jesus Christ to be his Savior. And we have a picture right there on the side. Listen and that man was crying through that whole prayer. He thought about his wife. And I told him, sir, there will be no reunion in heaven unless you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And I'm saying tonight, God uses opportunities like that to bring people to him. I think of the Ng family. I think of the Vaux family tonight. Amazing chain of events, the Vaux family. This is Vin and this is his wife, Mai. They drive in 30, 35 minutes to come to church on Sundays. Their sons got saved. Their cousin Thomas led them to Christ several, uh, la, uh, sometime last summer there. The boys got saved, but we're trying to get the boys all plugged in and things like that. But, but somehow through a chain of events that God was orchestrating, right after our missions conference, Thomas introduced me to them. He said, Pastor, you need to help them. They're having some issues. And I went to the house that Monday evening, went to see them. Everybody was very tense. They didn't know me. I didn't know them. And I'm not sure what was going to happen. And, and, but God just kind of worked through that situation. Things got settled in. And that starting that following Sunday, they came every single Sunday except for one Sunday. In fact, they still come every Sunday unless they're out of town. They come almost every Sunday. Sunday to church. They started coming on December 23rd. My, at the end of the morning service, I preached on Christ and his birth, the birth of Christ. My bowed her head and called on Jesus Christ. To be her savior. In fact, she was sitting right here in front of Brother Rob Curry behind Brother Justin. She was sitting right there. She called on the Lord Jesus Christ to be her Savior. I talked numerous times to her husband, Ben. I go over there on Mondays and I spend some time with the boys to try to get the boys invigorated about Christ and help stir their hearts a little bit there. And they're very, they're very compliant and things just need to get in the next step there. And so the father started coming in. He had questions for me. And I'd sit down and start talking to the Father. And I remember in December, between Christmas and New Year's, this is what he said to me. He's a pastor fong, and he looked down to the floor. He said, Pastor, if I just want you to know, it's very hard for me to just get saved. He said, I come from a Buddhist background. He said, I just don't know how I can get saved. I understand those things. but I just don't think I have the faith. I just, I'm, I'm 100, I I'm have a hard time trying to believe and understand all of these things here. And I just kept on preaching on the way. And then whatever the message was, I preached on the first or second Sunday of January. He said, Pastor, he says, that was a very powerful message. And he said, I can't get it out of my mind. I'm, I'm just, I, he says, I know I need to get saved. But he says, I'm just not going to let you know. Well, I was over there on a Monday and it was February. Let me see here. It was on February, uh, February 11th, and uh, his wife was home too, and she said, yeah, I took I took, today, I took today off anyway, and he took the day off, and he took me out for Valentine's Day, but Vin has something to tell you. I said, Vin, what do you want to tell me? He said, well, pastor, he said, I didn't want to tell you this until I got into it, but he said, I promised you in, at, at the, before the end of last year, I would start reading the Bible, and I started reading the Bible, and this is what he said. I started reading the Bible, and I've listened to you preach it well enough. He said, the Bible started speaking to me. He started asking me questions, and I thought, man, he's asking better questions. Some of our people have been in church for a while, you know. He started asking me questions, and this is what he said. He said, I got to one passage, and he said, I I remembered some things you said, and he said, in my bedroom today, this morning... I did what you tell people to do at every service and I called on Jesus Christ to be my savior. He got saved on February 11th there. That's the harvest of the sow winner there, okay? I'm thankful that he got, Christ saved him and Christ saved every one of them. I'm saying today, you sow the seed, God takes care of the rest. I'm thinking tonight of, a, of one of our men. I took sowing for the very first time. I contacted him in early January. In fact, it was on January, January 19th, right before our, our anniversary. I said, hey, uh, can you, you got time this morning? He said, yeah. And he's a very shy man about my age and he went out and we went on the street and, he, and I kind of showed him what I do. I'm a little weird how I do things. I kind of drive the streets a little bit and circulate around and, and I just kind of just asked the Holy Spirit to tell me what street to be on. I said, pick, pick the street. He his head, thinking, What are you doing here? You know, and the first door we knocked on, we met this dear lady. Her name was Martha. Martha Jacquinon. Martha came to the door. I didn't know this, but several years before that, Brother Justin had knocked on that street and talked to this lady. She knew all about her family background. She knew about a, a, a casualty that happened in that family. And she she talked to me about her sons and so forth there. But we got to explain the gospel to her. And I said, Martha, I said, now, how old are you? She told me how old she was. I said, now, Martha, you're closer to leaving this life than I am. Now, I can say that because I'm a pastor. Don't you say that. Amen. I said, are you 100% sure you're going to heaven? That little lady looked down. She said, I'm not sure, pastor, but I want to be sure. That's after she trusted Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. She's been in our church. You pray for her. She's had bad health. She hasn't been to the last three Sundays. She's had bad health because of the flu is a sick season. Hey, I'm thinking about a lady that, that heard about our church and started coming with her mother. Mother got saved in China. I was out door knocking with Brother Kenny one day, and we were out door knocking, and we knocked on the door of their house, and the grandmother came to the door. She's a very youthful-looking grandmother, and I thought, oh, this is where they live. And I said, we have it on the database, but I said, you know, I just thought, I said, you know, I haven't been to this home. I took my wife there, and we went there on, let me see what date was this, we went there on February 9th, and we started going through all of this, talking with them, and wonderful small talk and things, and we talked to, we talked to a lady named Jean, Jean has her two boys in our Sunday school. By the way, I'm thankful for our children's Sunday school, Amen. And the first, the oldest boy was a little rough when he first came. He didn't want to go and he stayed with grandma and mama. Eventually, he got, got over all that and he loves his Sunday school teacher. Thank you, teachers, for just being patient with the, with the students. But there on my, my right, which is, what, there on, on my right side here, you see a lady with a sweatshirt on. That's Jean Zhang. Jean called on Jesus to be her savior. She thought she was saved. She didn't realize that she'd been going to church and never gotten saved. She got saved that morning on February 9th, trusted Jesus Christ as her personal savior. And hey, I'm thinking about when Brother Justin and I were in the Philippines, actually in Taiwan, preaching. We met the leader of, of uh, a couple of the churches there. His name is Brother Mac, And Brother Mac was sharing with Brother Justin that he had a sister that lived down in San Jose. And Justin started searching it out there. And back, on, back here on March 3rd, Brother Justin went down on Sunday afternoon Had chat lunch, went down on Sunday afternoon on March, March 3rd, went down to San Jose to visit Edgar and his wife. And here, if you'll see a picture here, here's this man, Edgar. He's not saved. There's the wife, Brother Max's sister. She got saved. She was already saved. And this is after Edgar, he heard the gospel plan from a very strong Catholic background. Edgar, that's after Edgar called on Jesus Christ to be his Savior. I'm just saying tonight, there's the harvest of the fruit. For the, and by the way, I'm not even including a lot of stories I could tell you about all over the room from some of our members that I have on my phone. I just didn't have time to compile all that. I'm just saying there's the fruit of the so many Christian. And then what you notice tonight, I want to skip over a couple. I want you to notice one that happened on July 10, 2018. I ha, I've had Brother Kenny Lay's mother and grandmother on my heart to get them saved for a long period of time. My wife and I have been over Brother Kenny's house, and we've given the gospel over to his mother several times. She just said she's not ready. She said things like that. I'm not ready to receive Christ as Savior. But we heard the grandma was in the hospital not doing very well. On our way to San Francisco for our San Francisco midweek service, we asked Brother Kenny if we could meet him there We're at, the, at the place where she's convalescing. And we met Grandma and Mama there. And we didn't know his mother was going to be there. Just thought grandmother was going to be there. And it was, it was, a really, it was really just got all God. I, I, I gave the gospel in English. My wife translated from Mandarin to Kenny. Kenny went from Mandarin to Cantonese to his mother and, and the grandmother. And amazingly, as Kenny's translated, because he knows the gospel, he's heard me giving him many times. Amazingly, we looked at both of them. He said, we told them that it's the importance of getting saved And we looked at, and we, just to be honest, our little faith there, we expected uh, Mrs. uh, Kenny's grandmother, uh, Kenny's mother, to give us a little bit of pushback. Grandmother said, yes, I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. She's up in age. The mother, we thought, was going to give us pushback. And she said, yep, today I want to get saved. She trusted Jesus Christ. Hey, that's after both of them just trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior there, over there in San Francisco. And then I want you to consider one other one. Last year, we had a couple that we, we met they started coming to our church. And so we made an appointment to see them. And on July 7th of last year, Leo and Anna Wong, we went to their home and spent some time. Leo started telling his testimony. He thought he'd gotten saved somewhere in Ch- down in L.A. because he had a boss that was really, really was in sin. His boss got saved and tried to influence Leo. Leo thought he got saved. And then as my wife was explaining the gospel to Leo's wife, Anna, Anna realized she wasn't saved. It was a very clear gospel presentation. I'd give it in English. My wife would give it in Chinese and Mandarin. She gave it to Anna. Anna looked at it, and she could tell the conviction of the Holy Spirit was setting in. Anna said, I want to get saved. Anna called on Jesus to be her savior. As soon as Anna stopped praying, you saw there's this look of concern on Leo's face. Remember that? Leo had this look of concern on his face. And Leo said, uh, You know what, Shimu, if you don't mind, could you go over that with me? I'm not sure I'm saved either. He said, Maybe I just, maybe I thought I was saved, never got saved. And right there and then, Leo and Anna both trusted Jesus Christ as savior. Hey, I could go on all night, tell you tonight story after story after story. I'm saying tonight, there's the harvest of the sow winner. Men, let's go soul winning. Amen. Ladies, let's go soul winning. Let's get paired up. Let's get the job done. Jesus said, let's He said, Follow me, and I'll make you the soul, I'll make you the fishers of men. We see the heart of the soul-winning Christian. We see the habits of the soul-winning Christian. We see the harvest of so many Christians. We close tonight. Would you notice the handoff of the soul-winning Christian? The handoff is not just us winning people to Christ. The handoff is getting you involved to win people to Christ. The handoff is helping new believers know that as soon as they get saved, they can get involved with reaching souls for Christ. That's their baseline of involvement activity. They can learn how to present the gospel plan and tell others about Christ or bring them to church. Or bring them here so they can introduce us to them. So we can help these people come to Christ. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.2 and the, and the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. The same commit thou to faithful men who should be able to teach others also. We must work at establishing and maintaining a soul winning culture at heritage Baptist church. All believers need to be involved. Listen. Sign up. Sign up. Get involved. During this Easter outreach, the staff is going to make time to go with you and do soul winning Monday through Friday. Amen. Say, say amen, staff. Amen. Deacons will make time to go soul winning with you. Experienced soul winners will make time for you. Come on Saturday. Let's, let's, let's beat this thing up. Let's get back to place. Listen, if I had 100 committed soul winners every week, God knows what we could do to this area. John Wesley said 300 years ago, he says, give me 100 preachers on fire for God, and I can claim the world for Jesus Christ. Pray over this morning, this evening, three to five people that need to be trained, that can get involved. Give yourself 12 months to learn the ropes, to get involved. The first month or two, you just go and observe and watch what goes on, and then as you get a little bit more courage, you can ring that doorbell there, Amen. And I'll tell you this, now, some of you get it, I don't get, I don't get a whole lot of hostile visits. Because I try to go to those homes and be. listen, most people get barraged with negativism. Somebody needs to knock on the door and give them the love of Jesus. Amen? Amen? They need to see a smile on your face, that you've got a determination, there's something you have to give to them that's so important. They can't wait to hear what you've got to tell them. I'm just saying tonight, there's a handoff. I want you, and 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 you. I want to hand it off and say, listen, let's have a soul winning culture in our church. Reproducing soul winners, after soul winners, after soul winners, after soul winners, after soul winners. And I'm thankful for teams that go out, but teams, don't be so stuck on yourself that you become so cliquish. That you're not trying to train new people to learn how to present the plan of salvation and win people to Jesus Christ. I'm saying tonight, everybody can do it. You can make a list. You can bring them to the services. You can take me to visit them. Whatever it may be, let's do what we can to reach people with, this, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll close with this and we're done. The coast of Norway is a lighthouse where a lighthouse keeper lived with his two children. His wife had passed away years before. He had the custody of taking care of his two children. And every night as the sun would set, before it got dark... The keeper would go from the bottom where he stayed, he would climb the, the spiral staircase, he'd go away to the top, and turn on that great light, that lighthouse, so mariners and ships from afar could see that light, not crash into the rocks. One day, the keeper went out. He had to run some errands, he had to go to a distant town. He thought he'd make it back in time at home to light, the, to light that, 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 that big light there. But he realized it was dark and he wouldn't make it. And he instructed his children, he said, now if I ever don't make it back in time, I'll show you how to turn on that light. Well, his children, they, they realized as the sun was setting that day, they said, Papa's not going to be back in time. We don't think he's going to make it. And so the older sister said to her younger brother, she said, you know, Jimmy, I think we, we better be prepared that we've got a light, we've got to turn on the light for Daddy there. And he said, well, I'll do it. And he said, big sister, whatever you want us to do, I'll do. And so the time came. They said, we better get up there because that's a long way to go. And our little legs may not make it all the way to the top like Daddy's legs. And so they climbed all the way up the spiral staircase. And it was probably about the, about the extent of maybe three or four flights up. And they were just tired and they were... They they were just breathing hard, and, and she tried to reach her hand. She couldn't, she couldn't turn the thing on, and she was getting a little frustrated because the sun was setting. She thought, man, we took all this time to get up here, and she said, I can't turn this on. And she said, well, and so her brother said, what are we going to do? She said, well, I can't reach it, and I can't turn the thing on. So said, what are we going to do? She said, I've got an idea. So she ran all the way back down the staircase, and she got a little lantern about this size, like a Coleman lantern she got this little lantern and she lit the thing up so that it was burning and bright and she held it from the top and she walked all the way back up the staircase and she got there and she was breathless again and she was breathing very hard and she tried to stand up on top there as best she could on a chair so she could hold the lantern her idea was I can't reach the top of that lantern the light to turn it on but I could hold my little lantern out so people could see it but the problem was that, the, that she couldn't stand high enough to get it to get it over there and so she was holding the lantern and she said I'm not going to make it I'm too short and she said I don't know what we're going to do she said. She said, Jimmy, if we don't get this light on, if we don't shine this light, it's not. there are going to be people in danger. There's ships that come out of this harbor night and day. She said, we've got to shine this light somehow so that people can see. And little Jimmy had an idea. He said, big sister, get off the chair. You're standing she stepped off the chair and he took his little body and he leaned his body across the chair. And He said, now I'm leaning on the chair. He said, big sister, I want you to step up and I want you to stand on me. Hopefully standing on me gives you enough height so you can hold that lantern enough that you can shine it. And she said, are you sure that'll hurt? He said, I'm sure. Don't worry about it. Stand on me. We've got to get this done. Daddy told us we've got to get the light shining there. And so the big sister, she got up there and she picked up one leg up and she stepped on her brother. She got the other leg up and stepped on her brother. And she stood on her brother's back and she could hear her brother. Oh, that hurts, you know. But she stood on top of him, and she held up as high as she could. And amazingly, she got enough light so that the light could be shown across her. And if you were a ship coming in, you could see that light. They were successful in getting that light close enough to the window so it shined bright enough so that mariners coming in that night could see the light. They made the determination. She was going to stand on her brother the whole time. Well, she'd been standing on her brother for several minutes, and she looked down at him. Good sisters do that kind of thing, amen. She looked down at him, and she said, Jimmy, does it hurt? Hurt. And he says, yes, it hurts, but we got to keep the light burning bright. And Mary Close and I say this, it's going to hurt. It's going to cost you. It's going to be painful. But we've got to keep the light shining bright for Jesus. We've got to keep on holding the light up and holding it up so sinners can hear and sinners can know that we have a Savior that can save their souls. And so I want to urge you tonight, may you consider getting the heart of the so many Christian. May you consider tonight adopting the habits of the so many Christian. May God give us tonight a number, a room filled of people who have the harvest of the so many Christian. And may you accept tonight and help me with the handoff that every so many Christian should do. Let Let's stand up. Let's take the pain. Let's, make, let's take some risks. Let's stand up and hold the light high and shine it brightly so others can see. I want you tonight to make a commitment. I want you to make a commitment that you're going to bring visitors to the Easter musical and to the revival services. I want you to make a commitment tonight that you're going to pray for souls to be saved. I want you to make a commitment tonight. You're going to make a list of names of people you're going to introduce us to that we can get the gospel to. I want you to make a commitment tonight to have visitors here and that we'll have our best attended Easter musical ever. I want you to make a commitment that you will be a soul winner for Jesus Christ.